0: all right what's up everybody welcome to another episode of rebunked my name is scott coming at you live from nashville tennessee and i have a fantastic episode for you guys tonight can you believe that Another one, another fantastic episode. I'm very excited about this one. As you guys know, I've been kind of alluding in past shows about... My interest in really fleshing out this topic of the the terrain theory, terrain model, uh, an alternative to the current medical paradigm, and uh, I'm very excited to kick this episode off with the great Dr. Tom Cowan. Uh, he's uh, sitting in patiently in the green room here while I just shout out the website real quick, so if you guys want to follow and support the show, head over to rebunked.news. Um, pretty much just a landing page, and as you see there, I actually have it pulled up this time. There's a little uh, link to sign up for the email list that way you get notifications about whenever I go live. Um, other announcements about the show, you'll see uh, affiliate links at the top, which includes Richard Grove's autonomy course, uh, TRS heavy metal detox, and then of course the t-shirt shop. Oh, and then the give, send, go. If you guys like getting any value out of the show, it's just a value for value show. Just uh, you can drop a tip over there. Also other value for value options at the top. Social media, uh, t.me forward slash Rebunk News is the telegram. That's probably the best place to keep up to date with the show. And then uh, and make sure you're following on all podcast players um, so you can listen on the go. Five-star reviews really help drive the show forward. Um, I've got the subscribe star, but I'll let you guys know right now I'm going to be transitioning to a different uh, different thing to put out premium content, even though I'm really bad at pre- putting out premium content. I've got another strategy in mind. And some of you might guess what that might be, but I'll leave that for a future show. Um, the t-shirt shop is on fire. Thank you so much, you guys, for all the support over there. This is also brought to you by Big Frog t-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon, who, are, who is a Liberty-minded t-shirt shop. Um, they're big fans of the show. They're probably listening right now. Shout out to uh, Amanda and Ryan over there. Um, you, know, you can get your classic censorship kills shirt because, you know, People weren't given all the information that they needed to make the medical choices for themselves and their family. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people were hurt by that. So, you know, but just shout it out censorship kills. And of course, this is probably everybody's favorite right here the great Beavis. Are you threatening me? Gadsden flag shirt. You know, got to represent with that. So um, that's pretty much it, you guys. Just rebunk.news. Also, the t shirt shop is at rebunk.news forward slash shirts, or there's a link to the shop at the top. Of- of rebunk.news there so all right guys thank you so much and without further ado once again i am very very excited you guys i've had the privilege to talk to uh dr cowan on my previous show Truthzilla, but uh this will be the first time having him on rebunk so dr cowan welcome to the show such an thank honor to you. have you
1: good to see you again
0: yeah good to see you as well good to see you so yeah so i've been kind of talking about this with my audience for a while the idea of just really getting to the bottom of the terrain thing i've read i've read a large portion of the contagion myth. I haven't admittedly read the entire thing. I have read um, goodbye germ theory by Dr. William Trebbing. I've gone down this uh, path, but I feel like there's still more to be fleshed out. And so I really wanted to get into it with you. And um, w- one of the things I wanted to start with is just like the idea that the world isn't ready to have this conversation. Right. I think it's, there's a famous quote by, or he think he was on uh, or or Dell Bigtree was on with, Derek Bros, The Conscious Resistance, I believe that was the interview, where he was kind of challenged on the, the virus theory, you know, and a lot of these people that are in the mainstream, the 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 Malones of the world and stuff like that, it's like they're almost like serving to prop up the virus narrative from the other side, whether consciously or unconsciously. Who knows? You know, that that's yet to be determined. But like the idea of Del Bigtree just flat out saying the world isn't ready to have the conversation, I find that to be preposterous. And for a person who touts, that they're all about the science and get into the science well if there's science over here that suggests a certain other uh possible explanation to what we're seeing but we're not willing to have that discussion isn't that just as bad as what we're seeing from the status quo medical establishment what are your thoughts on that
1: um again i don't like to get into motives of people that i haven't told me their mo you know if i i often say if, if the only way i could say somebody's motive if, if i ask them and they say oh yeah i was trying to fool people uh, but nobody has done that yet but i think the reality here is most of the people maybe not all but most of the people that you mentioned uh the real issue is they don't know the they, they don't know the facts and so this is an it's an attempt to hide their own ignorance because if they knew the facts they would realize how simple it all is uh, and so they either don't bother or they don't what for whatever reason they don't know the facts and that particularly goes for the medical doctors they don't know so they i think out of their own shame in a way they cover up their ignorance
0: yeah and I that's mean that, the
1: way they do it
0: that makes sense you know that absolutely makes sense uh You know, I mean, maybe they just don't know
1: that uh, the fact that there that viruses don't exist is the key to unraveling this. And it's the key to unraveling a lot of other things.
0: Absolutely. And that's where I'm at with it. You know, I see the evils that have been perpetrated in the world due to the current medical paradigm which is based on the fact that there are certain little particles that float through the air from one person to the next it's like this invisible enemy that everybody needs to be afraid of and then in order to prevent that here's a pharmaceutical product that you can just take and then all your problems go away you know and it's almost like the achilles heel like if we could really unpack and create you know just mass consciousness mass adoption of the idea that you know, actually, no. It is all about how you treat your body. It's all about the terrain and how what you feed it, and the exercise, and the the sun, and the grounding, and all these things that are so key and crucial for our health. Like, you know, I'm almost the opinion too that people don't want that. They want the pill. They want the quick fix. And and it's a lot to to put back on the person that uh, you know. And actually, no. It's it's up to each one of us as an individual to take care of our health. You know, that's so. There, there's paradigms that need to be changed all over the place. The big medical paradigm and the people's own relationship with their own health. You know, this isn't something that we can outsource to a corporation in order to make ourselves healthy. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I, there's a few principles that I work on in conversations like this, which I think are actually not just helpful, but important to understand. And, Uh, I I don't actually talk about what's called terrain theory very Mm -hmm. much. And I don't ever talk about germ theory, really, because, first of all, it's not a theory. It's a disproven hypothesis. Uh, But the the, the principles are, um, number one, you don't have to, in in a logical, rational and scientific sense, if somebody is making a claim you don't have to know like what could be true or an alternative explanation to dispute that claim. And let me give you an example of that. So I've looked into how clouds form and rain happens and it's pretty complicated because the water is heavier than the air and why doesn't it fall down? And you know, it's, it's really complicated how clouds form and rain happens. So if somebody comes along and says, I know how rain forms, it's because there's elephants floating in the sky about a mile high, and they're peeing down on the ground, and that's why there's rain. So I would say to them, uh, because I think this is the way to learn things, I would say, how high up are the elephants? A mile. What kind of elephants? Well, they're regular gray elephants. Are there lots of them? Yeah, there's lots of them. So I would know all the details about their hypothesis that that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. Then I would go up with like an airplane and either I would see the elephants or not. Now, presumably I would not see the elephants and I would then have disproven that hypothesis. I still don't know why there's rain, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Because I just know it's not elephants. and that is where people i think should start with science and particularly viruses they have a hypothesis that there is this particle called a virus that makes people sick and i don't need to know why else people get sick i don't know whether i don't have to know whether it's exercise or smoking too much or anything the claim is it's a virus so what we need to do is examine that claim and find out whether it has any merits. Because I think in a half an hour or less, you, you'll know that it has no merit. There is no such particle. It's no more logic or science of that than than the elephant theory. Um, so that's that's how I would go about doing this.
0: Okay. Now, you, we uh, discussed before, and I've heard you talk on other shows, too, about how you have almost like a systematic approach to that, like a kind of a, a, right. a process by which we can uh, either as researchers ourselves or, in my case, like a podcaster, like, let's say we're going to be walking through this with somebody who is on the fence or this is a new concept for them. Like, what what would, what would that process? What, how would you want? How would you suggest introducing that topic? And what is the process you suggest?
1: Right. So, the so the. the... The, the other thing is the principle is in, in order to uh, know anything you have to know the method by which it was found right So if you don't know the method you can, you're not part of the conversation So with virology it there's five steps and they they have a sort of logical, uh, sequence. And I think what I think is best is to go through those. So the first step is what we sometimes call contagion or transmission. And what I mean by that is for a long time, humans have noticed that, that when a sick person is near a well person, the well person sometimes, not always, gets the same symptoms as the sick person right? Mm -hmm. So we've all had that experience. My child went and got, went to a a house and they had chicken pox, and then she got the same symptoms. Now let's, let's talk. And again, if you hear something that doesn't sound right, I think you should stop and challenge that assertion. But the principle behind that is if you see two or more people or animals getting sick, in the same way, same symptoms, same time, same place, that means something has been transmitted between them, right? That's the principle we're talking about. Now, the first thing I would say about that is that's clearly not the case. Because for instance, you can put 100 rats in your basement and then unbeknownst to you, somebody puts rat poison. So the next day, 10 rats are dead same symptoms they all bleed to death same time same place the next day 10 more rats are dead same symptoms same time same place then next day all rest of the hundred are dead same time same symptoms same place therefore that was a contagious process now that's clearly not the case hmm. right they were poisoned by something similar and so you cannot use that principle of humans or animals getting sick at the same time in the same place as proof of contagion. And interestingly, doctors and science has been down that road many times. So, for instance, for hundreds of years, they saw sailors on ships, one after another got sick, their teeth fell out, they went into heart failure and died, they quarantined them, they said they were passing something between one sailor and the next, it was too small to see it, and they called it scurvy. And then somebody had the idea to give them a lemon and the whole thing went away because there wasn't anything past, quarantining never worked, they had vitamin C or fresh food deficiency. And interestingly, even something like syphilis, they noticed people, uh, syphilis, as they say, caused by this spirochete, in the you know seminal fluid and the semen or the vag- vaginal secretions, so they in the back when syphilis was big in the 1800s in Europe, they had somebody had a lesion on their say penis, and they went to the doctor and they gave them mercury to treat it. Now interestingly, mercury concentrates in the semen and causes vaginal and penile lesions. So that guy goes and has sex with a prostitute and she gets, because she's exposed to the mercury, she gets a lesion and then she gets treated with mercury. And then the next guy, and then the whole thing looks like it's contagion when it was actually the transmission of a poison.
0: Almost like uh, AZT, right? The whole AZT. Sort of like AZT. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah.
1: It looks like contagion, but it's actually uh, a common toxin or nutritional deficiency. Mm. So therefore, and this is the, one of the most important points I want people to really hear. In a situation like that where you have no sensory experience of what happened, in other words, you don't see the virus going from the person with chicken pox to the next person. You don't smell it. You don't taste it. You don't know. In that case, you have to do actual science with controls. In other words, put 100 healthy children with 100 chicken pox children and have everything else the same so that you have an independent variable and a dependent variable. In other words, the thing you're changing is exposed to chicken pox versus 100 children in the same house, same food, same everything else. But the children don't have chicken pox, so that's the only thing that's different. And here's another thing I want people to hear. There's maybe 20 of us looking into it. Every single study that has looked at contagion has said there is no evidence for any transmissible element between people mm. or animals. If This was done with the 1918 Spanish flu. They had people with the Spanish flu cough in people's mouth, put snot up their nose, injected blood in them, had conversations, all, everything you could do, not one of the prisoners who were the volunteers got sick. We've seen this with mono, we've seen it with the flu, we've seen it with herpes. None of those illnesses are transmittable in a way that would suggest contagion. Now, all I can say is therefore the science has shown That that phenomena of the transmission of illness from a well person, sorry, from a sick person to a well person doesn't happen. If somebody has a study that shows it does, I'd love to see it because we've looked for three years and we can't find it.
0: Or the one where, like, they're like taking secretions, and I'm pr- probably butchering this, but like, like injecting it into primates, that's like different. brains, and it's like, it's like, oh look, they got sick. We injected it right in their brain. It's like, yeah, but you're also just injecting things in their brains, like
1: right. So,
0: that's
1: yeah. step, that's <laughs> step two. Okay, so we're talking about yeah. simply the experience of sick people being around well people. Gotcha. Sick people make the well people sick. There's 30 or 40 good studies on this. With all different kinds of flus and chicken pox and measles and all the rest, none show any contagion. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that theory of contagion has been disproven. Now, you would think that would be the end of it, but it wasn't. So around 1890 or so, they decided that certain illnesses were transmissible, like polio. And so they said they looked for a bacteria and didn't see one. So what they did was they filtered the the disease material from somebody with polio. In other words, they had somebody with polio, they died, they took their spine, ground it up, put it through a filter, and so they have all the liquid from the dead person's spinal cord and there's no bacteria in there the bacteria would wouldn't go through the filter now so we that's called the filterable agent right mm-hmm. now nobody thinks there's that's a virus they think there's a virus in there but there's obviously proteins and enzymes and maybe toxins and nobody would claim that that's a pure virus so we're not testing pure virus we've never seen the thing right Mm -hmm. we're testing whether the filterable part of a sick person's bodily fluids makes another animal sick and here's the facts there's not one study showing in a normal exposure way and i'm talking about like taking that and drinking it Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or spraying it on somebody that they showed the filterable part, the part that would have the virus, makes another animal or person sick. So what did they do? They did the things that you said. So they took that fluid and injected it into two monkeys' brains. One monkey died, one monkey got paralyzed, and they say that proves that polio is caused by a filterable agent that's transmissible. Now let's unpack that a little bit because the best you could say about that is there's something bad about the filterable stuff from somebody's dead spine <laughs> that if injected into your brain might make you have a bad day <laughs> yeah. right yeah totally <laughs> they didn't do a control they didn't inject 10 cc's of saline and start. maybe it's the pressure they didn't find a virus they didn't even they didn't look for a virus they couldn't they had no ability to look for something that small so every study that shows filterable agents cause sickness which are going on to this day they do things like they take ferrets they they take this lungs you know secretions of somebody who's sick like pneumonia they filter it so they get the bacteria and the fungus and the cells out. They anesthetize the ferret, stick a tube into their lungs, put ten cc's of this of this filterable lung goop directly in their lungs, which would be like a liter of of cell goop into your lungs, and then the ferret gets a cough. I mean, seriously, yeah. like. Yeah. If you put and they don't do a control, so they don't put saline and see if you put a liter of saline in a ferret's anesthetized lung, whether they would get a cough. So this isn't science. This is, I mean, it's nonsense. So again, I ask anybody listening: send me a study that shows a filterable agent causes disease in a well animal or person exposed in the normal way with controls. There isn't one. Now, interestingly, that correlates with the first one, right? Mm-hmm. The whole person doesn't make you sick. And now we know that the part that would have the virus doesn't make you sick,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So those match. Mm-hmm. So you would have thought that would be the end of virology, right? The yeah. person doesn't make you sick. The, the part where the virus doesn't make you sick but then they took the part that like the lung secretions or the spine and they invented electron microscopes. So we're talking about the 30s and they see these little things, uh, these little particles in the fluid. And they say, aha, we see the virus. And so that's the part that's making, you know, people or animals sick. So they decided to try to isolate the virus from the fluid. Now, that's an important word and concept here. So I mm. want to spend a minute on that. Please. Because, Scott, if I said to you, "How prove to me that there's such a thing as a hammer and a hammer, tell me what a hammer is made of and what a hammer does. How would you do it?
0: Um, I'd go to my tool bag and be like, uh, yep, that's a hammer right there. And it's designed to hammer in nails. But if I were to determine what it is, yeah, I got my tool bag. I got all kinds of tools in my tool bag. So how do I know which one's a hammer? Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, you, no, it's exactly yeah. right. But you would go to the ecosystem where you expect to find it, right? Sure. That's the toolbox.
2: Mm-hmm. You would
1: look, you would pull out the thing that meets the definition of a hammer and you would have that isolated the hammer from the toolbox. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you said, Tom, I can prove that hammers pound in nails, I take my toolbox and bash the (laughs) nail. I would say to you, Scott, how do you know it's not the the wrench and the the toolbox? How do you know it's the hammer? Mm -hmm. And you would say, right. I have to take the hammer out first and then I can find out what the hammer is made of and what it does. I might even say, how do you know, Scott, that just the act of going like this doesn't make the nail go in the wall? (laughs) And you might say, that's a good question. So here, I'm going to take a nail and I'm going to go like this. (laughs) And then I'm going to do it with the hammer because now I know the only variable is the hammer, right? Yeah. That's the only thing I change. This one doesn't. The hammer one does. Yep. Now you know what the hammer is made of because you analyzed it. You know what it does. You've isolated. If you don't isolate the hammer, you can never figure those things out. The same with a frog. You want to know what a frog is made of and what it does. You go to the pond, you find the frog, you pull the frog out by the, by itself. If you're a mean person, you kill the frog and find out what it's made of, or you watch the frog. You don't take a scoop of pond water and put it under, a, uh, grind it up in a blender and see what it's made of. Because then you don't know which part is the frog and which Mm -hmm. is the, right? So that's obvious. So they take this fluid from sick people and they grind it up, right? So like the spine of polio and they see all these little particles, thousands of different types. And they put a pointer on one and say, That's the virus. But then they found out that there is no specific virus. There's just cellular debris. So that way of 20 years failed to isolate the virus. Mm
2: -hmm. They
1: never once had a pure virus that they could take out. So they knew they couldn't. They essentially disproved virology. Mm. And then came along a guy who said, I know a different way to isolate the virus, this guy named Enders. So he Mm -hmm. took secretions from somebody, a child with measles, and said, here you have to follow the methods. And compare this with your hammer. He took secretions from somebody with measles. He mixed that with milk, horse serum, calf serum, fetal bovine uh, amniotic fluid he puts that onto monkey kidney cells growing in a test tube. Then he takes the food away from the kidney cells and he adds two antibiotics which are known to be harmful to kidney tissue. And then he watches and the cells died after four days. And he said, that is isolation of the virus I proved the virus in the person with measles killed the kidney cells. Now think about that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: How do you know it's not the antibiotics? How do you know it's not the starving the cells? How do you know it's not the fetal bovine serum? How do you know it's not? You didn't see a virus in the snot. You, You just assumed it was there. So how do you know it's not some poison in, this, in the mucus or something? Mm-hmm. The answer is you don't. Yeah. Now, he then did the entire experiment with the bovine fetal stuff and the antibiotics in the kidney cells. And the second time, he didn't add anything from anybody with measles. And you know what happened? The monkey cells broke down after four days. He said, quote, it's indistinguishable from the first one, uh, which means that it was some factor besides something from the person with measles that killed the kidney cells. And this was repeated about five times in the 50s, same result, and somehow to this day, that death of the kidney cells is what a virologist calls isolation of the virus. And if you realize what they did, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. That, that cannot be. I mean, and and to this day, every genome uh, experiment, every finding the genome, that's what a vaccine is, mm-hmm. the broken down cell culture injected into another person. That's what a vac. that's a live viral vaccine back seat. a dead one is they take some of the proteins out
2: mm-hmm.
1: so this is the key to understanding the electron microscope pictures are pictures of the broken down kidney cells
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there are study after studies showing you cannot tell the difference between broken down kidney cells or lung cells and what they're calling a virus okay. there is no way to tell the difference and The genome that they say there are 6 million copies, different SARS-CoV-2 genomes, that's, you take that kidney, that culture, right? Broken down culture, chop it up into little pieces, you assemble them into a big long string, and you call that the genome of the virus without ever having seen the virus in the first place. That's like you take your toolbox, grind it up into little pieces, you assemble them into something you think is a hammer, and you say the hammer is made out of plastic and rubber bands because I found them in the toolbox, mm. and then that becomes the template for, for all the future viral genomes. And, you know, I'll finish by saying we proved that this is the case because we took that culture uh This was an experiment that Stefan Lankin and a bunch of us helped do, and we did the cell culture, didn't add anything from anybody with COVID, did the antibiotics and all the rest. Cell culture broke down in exactly the same way, proving there was a virus killing the cells when nothing from any virus was ever anywhere near the mix. Mm -hmm. Then... We added yeast RNA, so this is just RNA from yeast. No virus, no mucus, no COVID anything. Chopped it up into little pieces, told the computer to to make SARS-CoV-2 genome, and it did. Proving that there's no SARS-CoV-2 genome in there. It's just a computer simulation. And by the way, we told it to make the measles genome, and it did. Hmm. And we told it to make HIV genome, and it did. It's the same sample. It didn't have anything with anybody with AIDS or anybody with measles. The computer made, if we told it what to make, it would assemble these little pieces into any RNA genome we want.
0: That's amazing what uh c- where can I look to find out more about that because I didn't know about I knew about the Stefan lanka experiment but I didn't realize this part of it do you guys have that published or anywhere
1: uh there's a part two that was okay. a uh, mathematician uh ran these numbers okay it, it was published only in Stefan's journal
0: okay okay I'll have to follow up I on mean that the problem, problem is yeah.
1: if you send this to a peer-reviewed journal they of won't course. publish it
0: of course of course not yeah so I mean catch
1: like 22 well. It's not published in a peer review. I know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, because they won't do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like you guys almost conducted the control experiment for that original experiment in the first place where they established this whole modality, yeah. right? It's like like there was no control done. And so you guys did the control and lo and behold, you get the same result as, you know, the one where they were, you were using biological material, which is just insane, you know? So to me, so, it's-
1: So here's the thing. Now we have five steps. One- yeah. Contagion of sick people making well people sick yep. doesn't work. The, any fluid, the filterable agent doesn't work. The isolation is not isolation. Electron microscope pictures are not the virus, okay. and the genome is not. And all those match. Mm-hmm. They all correlate. That exactly what you would expect. You wouldn't expect to find a part like if I said you don't, you don't uh, have iron in you total right mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect if i just chopped your head off and look for iron that it would have iron that would be weird right because <laughs> if you don't why would you think your head does mm-hmm. so in other words all those things are internally consistent right no mm-hmm. genome no pictures no isolation no proof of existence no make no part making something somebody's sick, and no hole. They're all the same. End of story. End
0: of story. End of story.
1: It's not it's, – it's and, and anybody who doesn't believe it, you have to go to the literature and find the study that proves us wrong. And mm-hmm. we have been telling these people for two and a half, three years, all these doctors and shows and, oh, there's no – it's so complicated. This isn't that complicated. Show us the study that proves it wrong. Well, we don't why should we get into this? Like mm-hmm. because it's the key to the whole tyranny.
0: It is. And that's that's exactly why I really want to focus on this topic because it is. It's literally the Achilles heel. It's the thing that could Right. And they made a mistake
1: them. by by basing this on such an easily disproven uh, concept.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, so I know uh, I, I, if you don't mind, I just wanted to talk to you about one more thing real quick and I'll let you go. Uh, the, the, and I, well, of course I want to get into the whole, this is another big claim and maybe we'll save this for another day, not claim, but something that I really would love to learn more about is the idea that the heart is not a pump, but we'll save that for another day. We'll save that for another day. Cause that's fascinating stuff. But uh, the question I do have is um, I heard you talk about this and I think that this is really something that we could leave the people with. Uh, The current medical paradigm is really foundationally constructed around making the patient the victim, right? It's like, oh, you know, it's your genes or your heredity or your outside, anything external outside of yourself is the cause of your dis-ease or whatever ailment you particularly have at the moment. And there's no conversation or I've heard you characterize it as there's almost an unwillingness or a fear around putting any sort of blame on the patient. Right. It's like taboo to say, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, could you speak to that for a minute? Like, how do we remove the victim consciousness from
1: health? Yeah, I mean, you could argue the case. And I have a good friend who does this, that there's only one disease and that's victim consciousness. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have it drummed into us in medical school that, you know, you never blame the patient. It's never the patient's fault. Uh, it's never what the patient does, except if they smoke, then it's their <laughs> yeah. uh, uh Otherwise, it's just, it's either germs, bad luck, or genes. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so you can't do anything about it. You just go to the doctor. The, the thing is, when you start investigating, you know, like the genes, the whole theory is just, Riddled with nonsense. So they say the genes make your proteins, you're made of proteins. DNA is a series of genes, right? And that determines who you are and is the engine of evolution and heredity and all that, right? That's what mm-hmm. we've all heard. Of. So then they do this human genome project, find out there's about 200,000 proteins, 20,000 genes. And if anybody knows arithmetic, that means There's 180,000 proteins that are not coded for by genes. So how in the hell did they get there? Mm -hmm. And if that's true, where where is the code for these proteins? And anyways, if you follow that, you can see that the whole DNA is heredity, is the engine of evolution, is the code for protein, is completely make-believe. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's intense. You know, it's uh all the work you do, like the conversations I've heard you you have. It's and and of course, you know, your podcast, um, Dr. Tom Cowan and Friends, you know, it's like you're having these discussions that really just fundamentally shake everything that we've thought of to the core and it's like we have to go back and question everything and I love that you know that's been my journey it's like realizing that the world is not what was presented to me it's not what was taught it's not what the people in the lab coats are out there purporting like it's way different and that's a magical place to be I love the fact that you know we're on this adventure of discovery and and so you you probably stand above almost anybody else I could think of who's willing to have those conversations who's not afraid of it and you have a great sense of humor about it so Dr. Tom Cowan I really really appreciate that can you uh, tell the people like where they can follow you and learn more? I mean, you've got so many projects Like, I would just want to personally shout out here. Dr. Tom Cowan's or Dr. Cowan's garden. You guys, I don't know if yeah. you know about this, but that's just like legendary. Well, tell us a little bit about this. Uh,
1: I mean, we have two companies. This is the food side and yeah. I guess in care. So yeah. we have, you know, vegetable powders. We have, uh, we, we partner with people who, you know, real grass fed meat and, mm-hmm. you know, and, bones and organ meats, and and we have all kinds of interesting and good stuff. Uh, the other side of it is the Dr. Tom Cowan, which is more the informational and the medical stuff. So we have turpentine, we have water devices, we have our medicine, strophanthus plasma, seawater, you know, all kinds of, uh, essentially it's the pharmacopoeia of real medicine. Uh, and so, and, and there's a lot of, you know, I do webinars and podcasts and Mm -hmm. stop my mouth off of kind of
0: stuff. Cool. Right on you guys. Well, there's links in for, uh, Dr. Cowan in the description below. So please go make sure you follow, support him. And, uh, yeah, Dr. Cowan, there's so many things I want to get into you with. So maybe, you know, here sometime down the line, we can reconnect and go over some more of this stuff. So great. awesome. Well, thank you so much for sticking around a little extra longer to speak to me today. I really appreciate it. And, uh, Yeah. I guess I'll let you go. I'll probably still stream here for a little bit, but I'll, I'll let you go here. So thank you so All much. Right, thanks, Scott. Take care Tom. See you later.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Well, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Tom Cowan, amazing, fascinating stuff. So yeah, we, we set up the interview and, um, uh, you guys know, normally know, I like to run for about an hour or so. And he's like, Oh, I thought it was half an hour. And then the pre, I was like, Oh yeah, we were like, that's fine. That's cool. Let's just uh, cut it at half an hour. No big deal. And, uh, And before the show, like I was talking to him and telling him about some of my interests uh, in the topic and some of the research I've done. And I think he kind of like recognized the fact that maybe, hey, maybe this guy isn't just your average Joe Blow off the street. Maybe we're actually going to have a good conversation here. So he's like, all right, well, let me go. Let me go tell my wife because I got to milk the cows. So let me go. Let me go tell the wife real quick that uh, I'm going to keep going and uh, let's just like not have an end to it and if you know if we're still streaming then then she has to go milk the cows so i'm over here like damn do i just keep going for the hour and have his poor wife has her not poor wife you know i'm sure she loves milking cows but at the same time i'm like damn i feel bad like she's i'm gonna be over here using all of tom's time and his wife's gonna have, go have to milk, milk the cows but that's all right that's a good balance we ran for about 40 minutes with the great tom cowan so i mean if you guys are in the chat you know let me know what you think if you guys have questions or anything um for me you know, we kind of, we touched on it a couple times in there. Like really to me, this is the topic. I mean, you guys know that have been following me for a while or any of the work I do. Uh, just basically, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Any words? A bummer just got here. Tom certainly has a way with words. Yeah. He's hilarious. I love his analogies. The, the, uh, the, the analogies that he uses to describe things are always so hilarious. You know what I mean? And it's, and it is, it's like, yeah, he can't really argue with that. So, Anyway, so I feel like it's the crux of the whole thing. Like, if you guys know the work that I've done, I'm just constantly, even to this day, I'm still on the vaccine beat. Like, I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to let up on that, you know, because there are still people out there that are being hurt every day by these shots, right? And and not only that, it's not only just the shots themselves, right? These stupid COVID shots, MRNA, whatever the hell you want to call it. Like, I had a whole list of things to talk to Tom about, you know, obviously I wanted to get his take on the spike proteins, the MRNA gain of function, like all these things that are in his wheelhouse of like, you know, dispelling, but you know, we'll have him back for more in-depth conversation about that stuff. But, you know, it's not just the, the, the shots themselves that we need to be speaking out against, but we can use the shots as a vehicle by which we can help create awareness around these topics in order to prevent whatever's to come in the future right so as we as we continue as as the as the veils lifted and and the all of the the facade crumbles around the notion that these covid shots were safe or effective or a good idea or that it wasn't just a catastrophic net harm to everybody involved right yeah not everybody got hurt by them you know not everybody died there's plenty of people i know that took the shots that are just fine on all outward appearances right but the fact remains that hundreds of thousands or millions of people did get really hurt by these shots. And I would say way worse than whatever the heck COVID supposedly was, right? But as the veil continues to to fall away and more people start to look and see and enough time goes by, maybe some of the programming falls away. Maybe some people are able to like see it for what it truly was you know, the more we're out there creating awareness and reporting on this topic and presenting them with information around this topic, you know, the more that they will see and really fundamentally understand that, yeah, I was lied to. Yeah. The the system is corrupt. The system is designed to work in opposition to my best interests. They don't care about me. They don't care about my family's health. They want me just sick enough to, you know, pull the levers at work or press the buttons at work but not quite sick enough to die or be debilitated. Like, so who knows why they went all out on this last one, but at the same time, they want us just a certain level of sick. Right. And so as we go forward, you know, we, we see that who knows what the next thing is going to be, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was another, some sort of like viral thing or some sort of like, or quote unquote viral thing, of course, or some sort of like just disease, something or another uh, in order to, gain more power and control, you know? So what we're, what we're, what we're talking about here is like the more awareness we create around the shots themselves, which has literally been my beat for the last three years. Like I just have been relentless on this in all the different projects I'm involved in, you know, between the last American vagabond Unjected, this show. I mean, that's really where my heart is at is just creating awareness around this, that just providing the informed consent that the establishment doesn't want or cannot provide, you know, So that's, that's, that's like a red pill. It's like the tower seven for a lot of people, you know, maybe five years from now, maybe it'll take years or a decade before people are really like, I didn't wake up to nine 11 until 2010, 2011. Like it took me 10 years for that information to trickle down to reach me that, Hey, how did two planes cause three towers to fall at free fall speed? You know, how, how is that even possible? I'm like, yeah, how the hell is that even possible? Right? So it might take a decade, before people actually stumble across any of the work done at the last American vagabond or any of the work done by Dr. Tom Cowan, it may take at least 10 years before anybody's like, Whoa, I just can't wait. I would love the day when like someone like one of my normies runs up to one of my normie friends or just, you know, whatever, you know, colleague or something, or like a customer I'm working with down the road, they run up to me like, have you ever heard of Dr. Tom Cowan? He says, uh, that viruses don't exist. I'll be like, yes, victory. You know, even if it's 10 years down the road, you know, it takes that amount of time for this information to seep out past the gatekeepers, past, uh, the off-ramp to the, of the mainstream, right. And that off-ramp of the mainstream, I mean, at least my journey, you know, I was mainstream. I had no idea about any of this stuff. Like, you know, back when you could go look at stuff on YouTube, bounce around a little bit and like get a little bit of this a little bit of that a little flat earth a little 9-11 a little jfk a little uh satanic ritual abuse like all this stuff right you can jump around no problem and uh but you know still like being on the mainstream with a lot of different things as you're kind of venturing off that road you stumble across like joe rogan maybe right or maybe you stumble across like russell brand some of these shows right and it's kind of it serves a, pu- a purpose to maybe kind of open up your your mind to some of these topics. But then, you know, once you, once you really <laughs> take the off ramp and you start getting into one of the sketchy neighborhoods and it's like, Oh geez, there's a, uh, the higher side chats over there. Oh shit. Oh, there's a, uh, some tinfoil hat over there. And Oh damn, that neighborhood looks so sketchy. It says, Owen oh, Benjamin on it. I don't think I'm ready for that one yet. I'm not ready to go down that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, once we get into this new realm of, of, of conversations that are way too uncomfortable for most people to take, you know, that's, that's a long transition. And so it's going to, who knows how long it may take for the rest of the world to get there. But I'm of the import, I'm of the belief that this shot, the COVID-19 shot or whatever the hell it was, whatever the hell you want to call it is like the tower seven of this current situation that we find ourselves in. You know, what we're seeing now is uh, just complete uh capture like our entire world has been captured by these people that are using this medical system to tyrannize over us and to create more power for themselves. And that's just the matter, that's just that's just what it is, you know. So uh the more we get this information out there, I feel like the better, right? So I don't know. I'm not really sure. I pretty much feel like that's, a, I don't really, I didn't really prepare much else to to discuss with you guys. I mean, I could probably just keep ranting and raving, but uh, I guess a couple of things I'll shout out. while while I got you here is um, I mean, so we do have the uh, uh, what is it rebels for a cause this weekend? Like I'm not involved with the planning of it anymore, but I have agreed to make an appearance there. Uh, I'm not exactly sure whether that's going to be on Saturday or Sunday, but that is this weekend here in Nashville for anybody in the Nashville area. And then, um, the other big event that I really want to shout out. So this is going to be pretty freaking awesome. Um, and I'm definitely going to this and I've I've been helping out behind the scenes with this. And I want to give a big shout out to my, uh, my homies over at, uh, Oh shit. Hold on. Uh, that would be Mr. Matt Baker and Mr. Frank Cavanaugh. I guess Frank Cavanaugh was on with, um, AM wake up this morning. Him and Ryan were on at the same time. So that's pretty cool. But, uh, Check this out, you guys. So this is happening August 12th in Nashville, Tennessee, or excuse me, Austin, Texas. The American Liberty Awards. Right? Look at that, dude. Look at that. Okay, so uh hosted by Rob. So it's very like InfoWars kind of heavy event. Um, hosted by Rob Dew, senior producer at InfoWars. We've got uh Alex Jones has agreed to be there. Sam tripley is gonna be there, Jimmy Levy, Jimmy Levy, Savannah Hernandez, Dr. McCullough uh, Allison Wonderland, AKA Allison Steinberg, Bryson Gray, Lila Hart, Matt Baker, Owen Schroyer, Harrison Smith. So, you know, a lot of InfoWars people going to be representing. Um, they asked me to be the stage manager at the event. So I'm going to be running around with a clipboard and a, and a walkie talkie yelling at people trying to like wrangle to get the, the talent and be like, Alex, I need you on the stage. Five minutes, Alex. And they, they asked me primarily because they're like, Like you're, I think the only one out of all of us that's like sober. So do you mind like doing this? I'll be like, no, perfect. Got you. No problem. (laughs) So, so it pays to be sober kids. I'll tell you what. Uh, And then let's see. So this is definitely a working list right now, but these are, so if you go to the top to the awards, you can see some of the categories and some of the awards and uh, you know, it is one yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave it that but you can go see and look through i've I've been able to advocate to get some of my people on there we've got the last american vagabond uh, on the most trusted network right there uh we got whitney webb on the best writer list or the most truthful writer list excuse me and uh and so this is just like a fun like really just it's just an acknowledgement and this is very much a working list i'm sure if you guys go here and you see one of your favorite shows or hosts or platforms or networks or whatever. And it's not on the list, you know, we're working on adding more and more people. As you can see, it's not like, like we have like categories of like 20, 30 people and some of them and some of the ones we're working on before. Um, Oh, here we go. Best public servant on this list. So as a committee, we were like kind of doing preliminary votings, as to who the nominations are going to be. And I'm just like, I'm just going to abstain from this one. I'm, I'm good. (laughs) I'm not going to co-sign that one, but uh, anyway, this is going to nothing else, dude, this is going to be a killer event. And uh, I think injected is going to be involved with this. We're trying to get the after party sponsored by injected down in Austin, Texas, which is going to be legit. So very, very excited about that. You guys, Oh, and speaking of injected, let's talk injected for a little bit. So, um, we got the brand new website launching this week, uh, should be any day now. Um, the, the beta version is almost ready to kick off. So excited about that. Um, by far, the question that we get asked the most over at Unjected is, well, how do you verify that people actually are injected and haven't taken the mRNA vaccine or mRNA shot, right? Well, I'm happy to tell you that now we've partnered with the wellness company. We have devised a little scheme to actually determine whether or not people have taken the injection. So, Oh, I can't really spill the beans on it quite yet, but that's one of the things that, um, it's not going to be required to be on the site, obviously, because we even do invite people who have taken the shot to be members of the site. We just ask that you designate on your profile. Yes, I am vax afflicted. I was for whatever reason, Uh, I, I, I under, I I accepted the vaccine into my life for whatever reason. Right. Um, and so to some people that may not be an issue to some people, they're exclusively seeking somebody who didn't do that. So, you know, it's fine, but we will have different verification levels and the highest, highest premium verification level will include the ability to verify whether or not you've taken the COVID injection. So I'm just gonna leave it at that and just leave you guys a little, little, little meat to chew on on that. So we're very excited about that. Um, all kinds of cool stuff coming the injected marketplace is working. We're working on that too, which is going to be like a coalition of, you know, like Liberty centered products. And then also, um, looking at food items and then also the injected, uh, lifestyle apparel is going to be a big thing. Like we're looking at like lions, not sheep, you know, that clothing line. We're like, okay, how do we, uh, how do we, Tap into that territory. So we got that in the works. Just so much cool stuff happening over at the Injected World, um, the Injected Show. We've got some awesome guests coming up. We got the great Chrissy Mayer coming up on Friday. Uh, we got Ryan from the Last American Vagabond the following week, and I'm working on Maj Toure from Black Guns Matter. Uh, he, we're working on which week to have him on. So some previews there. Um, as far as rebunked goes. What oh do I got coming up? I'm trying to do some more d- terrain uh, discussions. Looks like next week. Okay, yep, yep. So I got some stuff on deck that I need to work on confirming. But anyway, so yeah, man, you guys, all kinds of cool stuff happening around here. I'm just like super stoked. I don't know about y'all, but uh, look for more conversations around the terrain topic. Because again, like please, you know, share this episode. Like, Like, let's get tom's information out there because the more people are aware that this conversation even exists the more people can be like well okay well maybe i'll venture down that road just a little bit and take a look for myself you know i personally feel like there's so many things that i want to kind of understand better the whole process of you know what tom was describing i've heard this description several times uh in the past is the idea of the you know the whole monkey kidney cells bovine serum that whole thing like i really want to fundamentally understand that process i really wanted to you know i wasn't quite able to work it into the conversation but i really want to understand okay so what are they trying to achieve when they do that like i understand the flaws in it but what is their rationale like why does that make sense from a from like a a scientific approach like like using the scientific method to that specific process like how does that even make sense how does it that i like where does that hypothesis come from like i hypothesize that if i starve this biological material on a monkey kidney cell with bovine serum and antibiotics, like that's going to isolate a virus. Like where does that hypothesis even come from? It sounds like someone just like sniffing some sort of fumes or something. And just like in a fever dream came up with this process. It's like, it doesn't make sense to me, but I want it to make sense. I want it to make sense so that I could better understand their arguments, you know? And that's really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, I'm trying to explore this topic so that I fundamentally understand it. And hopefully by the process, everybody listening will understand a little bit better as well, because, you know, I, so many people that I just instinctively resonate with on so many levels, like, like this is the way they see the world and I want to fully flesh it out. And maybe I go on this journey and I, I look at all the studies, I talk to all the people and I arrive at the conclusion that actually, no, I think viruses are real and they do cause disease. No problem. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And I want to know because if it does turn out to be true, uh, or to the best of our assessment, it turns out to be the most likely scenario that germs and viruses aren't the cause of disease, and there is something more to it. Then, this whole system can just be thrown away, and we can start over, and none of it even matters. And who cares, right? Um, I, I just i i love the idea of the victimhood mentality in in modern culture, in modern medical culture. I don't love the idea. Obviously I think it's horrible, but you know, just characterizing it in that way, the idea that, you know, we're all just victims and we're all, you never know when this virus is going to float in your mouth and make you sick. You know, it's no, it's not, we're not victims and we're not victims of our health. It is up to us, every single individual to go out there and ensure that we're creating health for ourselves. You know, you can't inject health. You can't just pop a pill and magically be given health. You know, these are, these are entities that don't want us healthy. And so we have to take all our power back when it comes to our own health and our understanding of what health actually is. And so I'm on a journey myself, you know, I'm exploring different foods right now. I'm actually doing this program right now. My, my gal and I are working on this, uh, it's called wild fit and there's no promotion, but it's basically, uh, not, I mean, I'm still learning what it is, but it's basically different, um, different aspects of eating the way humans are designed to eat like no processed food, dude, no sugar, none of that. We haven't quite got to that point yet where it's like, Hey, we're adding a couple things here, eliminating a couple things there, but you know, she's done that before and she's really taught me a lot already. And, uh, kind of was planting some seeds with me, uh, with, with ha- this, what this, this diet or it's not a diet. It's, it's, it's a way of being It's like a way, of, like, hopefully this is something that'll last the rest of my life. You know what I mean? And so, Uh, Each week it's like a new phase. And so I'm trying to, and right now we're on phase week two, which is basically eat exactly like you've always ever ate, but just kind of be more conscious about it. See how it makes you feel afterwards. Right. But one of the things they added is this cool thing called Alkagizer, which I'm pretty stoked about, which is basically a, uh, just a fruit and vegetable smoothie every morning with uh, three different servings of three different like fruits that I don't normally eat. So I went and got a bunch of fruit that I don't normally eat, eating three servings of those along with this fatty smoothie, which is freaking delicious. And so that's how I've been kicking off my day the last few weeks. And I've been, uh, just, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know. I firmly, and I feel great. It's like, you feel like just nutrients, just boom, like a nutrient explosion. And and I get energy from it. You know, you guys have heard me talk quite a bit about like, my, my last big vice that I'm struggling, well, I got two, I've got the vaping and I got the caffeine, you know, the bang energy drinks. Those are just like, I know that I'm just like not doing my body any good with those two things. And so I'm on a journey now where I'm trying to like, maybe possibly consider eliminating both of those things from my life, but it's, that's a process. And so, um, but it's cool. Cause this alcoholizer drink, I'm like, I got energy, dude. And I'm like, man, maybe I can do without the freaking caffeine, you know, and just have this natural boost. And so I'm really trying to trying to take steps not only to, you know, actually put this into practice in my life, but also to um to understand you know what 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 health actually is because it turns out i mean apparently like we got it all wrong from day one and then like everything that we learned everything that we know everything that is taught the whole medical system all aspects of it can just be thrown out tossed away and we can start over you know but no matter what it all just starts with me my health uh and all that stuff so um, yeah, guys, I, uh, hopefully you can share this episode with your friends and, and get the conversation around the germ terrain theory going, even though Tom doesn't like to characterize it as germ or terrain, you know, we can say that for him. Um, there are links to his uh, websites below. Also make sure you check out, uh, his book, the contagion myth, which actually really goes into, um, you know, I've read parts of it. I haven't read the entire thing quite yet, but, uh, but definitely something that I w I'd intend to on doing someday. So, um, yeah, so the rationale is to make money, obviously. Yes, exactly, exactly. So their system is propped up by, uh, you know, they're they're they you make a lot of money when you're when you're selling vaccines and pills, and you don't make a whole lot of money when you're encouraging people to take care of themselves. Although Tom Cowan seems to sell very healthy products, and he doesn't have any problem encouraging people's health and uh, making a living with it at the same time. So, you know, maybe that's the paradigm shift that we need to do is really helping to empower people. Uh, with their own health and that's how we win this war that's how we fight back we fight by becoming as healthy as we possibly can be you know imagine that awesome but it takes a little effort it takes going the extra mile taking a couple extra steps maybe spending a little bit more money than i'm used to on food which is happening right now but that's okay i'm all right with it and uh we're just kind of rolling so all right guys thank you so much for joining me today uh we'll catch you next week and remember no fear just crushing in 2023 i'll catch you later Peace.